Tonight, we look at the galaxy's edge, we check in on what we left behind, and the mouse finally gets the fox on this edition of Multiverse Tonight. There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, episode 21. Can you believe that? 21. We're finally finally old enough to drink. Well, I've been old enough to drink for for well over a decade now anyway. And uh, I'm your host, Thomas Townley. We are getting... Uh, we are now featured on the PodCoin app. And uh, that has given the show great exposure. I've gotten uh, more than a dozen new followers in the past week thanks to this app. So I'd like to give a shout out to them. We are just 17 days away from Plant Comic Con Kansas City. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. And I hope to get a lot of great interview opportunities. So you want to stay tuned to our YouTube channel for uh, updates or Instagram for photos of all the great cosplay and con life. And, I don't know, maybe a special edition of the show from the convention floor. Uh, we will be checking in uh, with uh, Sci-Fi for Me while we're at there. They'll they'll have a booth. So uh, we might get you know another interview with Jason. Who knows? If you're watching The Orville, uh, I've been live-tweeting the show over on Twitter. Uh, just watch for my feed starting at 8 p.m. Central Time. That's uh, 1 a.m. UTC for those overseas. Uh, it's off for the next couple of weeks, but uh, you know I'm really looking forward to the next uh, seven episodes. Now, if you like what I do, you can donate at coffee.com. That's K-O-F-I.com like uh, Anne, or on Patreon as well, just go to mtpodcast.com for links, and you can also tip at the Radio Public or Buzzsprout players. You can also buy some swell, one-of-a-kind merchandise as well at our, by going to our Public store. I'm wearing one of those uh, shirts today. So uh, go ahead. Check out MultiverseTonight.com to see our show notes, affiliate links, the occasional original column, and much, much more. Now, let's get on with the show. Star Wars news begins with a lot of peaks at the Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. The Disneyland version will open on May 31st, while the Disney World version will open on August 29th. First off, is the brand new TIE Fighters. Now, uh, these are the TIE Echelon, which was confirmed by ABC News' Clayton Sandal, and will and they'll appear in an upcoming movie, but nothing is concrete on if it'll be in Episode 9 or some other movie. Sandal described it as, quote, it combines, if you would imagine Kylo's shuttle kind of shrunk down into a TIE Fighter look, unquote. Now, we also learned that the battalion at the of First Order Stormtroopers patrolling the park will be from the 709th, a.k.a. the Red Fury. 
Entertainment Weekly noted, quote, This elite squadron from the First Order has arrived on a new ship, the TIE Echelon, which has a cockpit similar to Kylo Ren's Batwing shuttle, but the curved foils of Darth Vader's TIE Advanced X-1. Now, uh, while you're at Disneyland or Disney World checking out that new TIE fighter and evading the stormtroopers, why not sit down for a tall glass of blue bantha milk? Blue milk is, of course, what was served to Luke by his Aunt Beru in his last meal before his aunt and uncle met their grisly fates. Scott Trowbridge, the Disney Imagineer in charge of Galaxy's Edge, shared with Entertainment Weekly, quote, I will tell you it's not actually milk. If you're walking around Florida in the middle of August, the last thing you want is a, a huge glass of milk, unquote. You know, he might be right. You might end up with a cold glass of blue cottage cheese or worse. Perhaps they should make some cheese so you can have a, a Bantha cheese pizza. I wonder if there's an alcohol-filled version. A blue Russian. So, you've had the milk. Now what? We have word or a word or two on the major attractions at Galaxy's Edge. First off is Smuggler's Run, which puts guests in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon as either a pilot, gunner, or flight engineer, each with a different role, so you can have a different experience every time you ride. Also, you have Rise of the Resistance, that puts you in the role of a new recruit with the Resistance in a battle against the First Order and a face-off with Kylo Ren. The journey takes you inside a full-size starship and aboard a nearby Star Destroyer. And, of course, your visit is not complete unless you empty your wallet of galactic credits. The Droid Depot will let guests build their own astromech droids. Patreons will build either an R-series or BB-series and can customize their droids with various parts and colors. You can also buy a pre-built droid and other droid-related items. You can also visit Savi's workshop to make your own lightsaber. Just cause the Jedi's are no more doesn't mean you can't have a light sword of your very own. And at Doc Onar's Den of Antiquities, guests will find items from Star Wars galactic history, including holocrons, Jedi and Sith artifacts, and much, much more. There's also a Toydarian toy maker, the resistance supply for all your resistance gear, the First Order cargo hold for your First Order gear, and much, much more. I'll have a link in the show notes for an article at comicbook.com with a list of all these new locations from the park. A leaked Lego set might have confirmed a return to Ray's home planet of Jakku. An Instagrammer by the name of Sav Creation Sog claims that a set titled Assault on Jakku will sell for nearly $50 and contain 399 pieces. No images of the set, and for all we know, this might be a complete fabrication. However, it must be noted that Episode 9 did have principal photography that took place in Jordan, where Jakku was filmed in The Force Awakens, so connect your own dots. Or bricks. Chris Avalon, the writer of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 and Fallout New Vegas, is apparently working on a new Star Wars game, Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order for Respawn. The game writer took to Twitter and confirmed it, quote, I can't say 100 BC of NDAs, but the ones I can, I can say I just finished up work with Jedi The Fallen Order, and beyond that, there's another bomb, big bomb dropping in a month. Er, I mean, maybe, ahem, 
Jedi Fallen uh, end quote. Jedi Fallen Order is a new action adventure game which tells an original story set shortly after the events of Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith. Now, currently, to watch all 10 films in the Star Wars saga, you would have to watch around 23 hours of film. Lucky for us, Topher Grace and Jeff Yorkies have condensed that down to one five-minute video entitled Star Wars Forever. Topher announced that the compilation of his Twitter, quote, 10 movies, two nerds, one weekend, when our wives were out of town. Enjoy, unquote. The video boils it down to the key or iconic moments in the, in the movies. This isn't the first time Topher has taken a knife to Star Wars. Back in 2012, he whittled down the prequel trilogy to a single film. Topher said it wasn't a way to discredit George Lucas. It was just an experiment to hone his editing skills. Topher told IndieWire why he did it. Quote, I don't know what the other guys do. Go fishing? For me, this is just a great way to relax. There's something really zen about it. Unquote. So, is there something you'd like to see edited down into a smaller package? Star Wars Celebration is just around the corner, and our friends over at Sci-Fi For Me will have a correspondent at the event. And Jedi News has revealed some of the exclusive merchandise that will be offered at the event. First on the list is plush Loth Wolves in white or gray from Star Wars Rebels. There's also a Rancor Tiki mug with a Luke Skywalker muglet by Geeky Tiki, a special celebration mug with an adorable Porg surprise inside, and the Darth Maul jacket to honor the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace. 20 years since The Phantom Menace. I guess it's time to fire up the Blu-ray and see if it holds up. Maybe? Maybe not? Anyway, let's go to some Star Trek news. So many Trek series, so little time. Let's start off with the Picard show. It's hiring first with an initial director for the pilot episode. That honor goes to Hanel Culpepper. Hanel might be relatively new to Trek, having only directed two episodes of Discovery, but she has, quote, the directorial pedigree. She has directed The Empire, for Empire, Criminal Minds, Sleepy Hollow, Grimm, Gotham, Lucifer, and The Flash. This will also make her the first female director to helm a pilot episode for the franchise. We also have words straight from the mouth of Trek alum Jonathan Frakes that he will direct the new series, telling the Writer Experience podcast, quote, Now my season looks like Star Trek Discovery, the new wonderful Star Trek series The Picard Show, which Patrick Stewart is launching, and The Orville, which is some people's new Star Trek. And I just finished The Gifted, which is sort of X-Men Marvel Origins show, so I am back in that world, unquote. In front of the camera, we will see Santiago Cabrera, Cabrera and Michelle Hurd. Cabrera has recently starred in the CBS series Salvation and Big Little Lies on HBO, and Hurd's credits include Blind Spot, the Fox TV version of Lethal Weapon, as well as Ash vs. the Evil Dead, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones. No word on what roles either actor will be in the series. And we got some new details about when production will begin. Production Weekly said that production will begin on April 14th, and go for five and a half months, finishing on October 1st. The show will be set at Santa Clar Clarita Studios, 35 miles north of the old Paramount Studios, where the Star Trek series were first produced. 
This is also the studio where Patrick Stewart filmed his two-season stars comedy series, Blunt Talk, which is a very funny show. If you can get your hands on this on a copy of this show, watch it. It's great. We also have a hint at the series title. Production Weekly lists the title as Star Trek Destiny, with the working title as Drawing Room. Now, it should be noted that Destiny is one of the titles that CBS trademarked last year. By the way, congratulations go out to actress Mary Wiseman, Tilly, from Star Trek Discovery, who has tied the knot to her fiancé Noah last month. Now, moving on to shows starting from, from shows starting production to ones with episodes of Plenty under their belt, CBS All Access has, of course, renewed Discovery for its third season, with production set to start in July. We'll have yet another new showrunner. Michelle Paradise has been promoted to co-showrunner alongside Alex Kurtzman. To quote Alex Kurtzman in the official announcement, quote, Michelle joined us halfway through season two and energized the room with her ferocious knowledge of Trek. Her grasp of character and story, deta story detail, her drive and her focus have already become essential in ensuring the Trek legacy. And her fresh perspective always keeps us looking forward. I am proud to say Michelle and I are officially running Star Trek Discovery together. Unquote. Now, I'll have to agree that this season has been markedly better than last season. The main story is interesting. However, maybe season three can see it tightened up some more. Uh, maybe let's just get rid of section 31 altogether. It's expected that season three will air in the second or third quarter of 2020 after the new Picard show finishes up. Now, I mentioned Jonathan Frakes a couple of minutes ago, and that wasn't the only thing he mentioned in that interview. Mr. Frakes also assessed CBS's plans for the franchise on TV. Quote, My understanding is that Alex Kurtzman and Secret Hideout are creating a Star Trek show that will hopefully allow fans of Trek to have something fresh to see all the time. This is why Discovery, now that it is a hit, will continue, and they have announced Sir Patrick's show, which is not titled, that will air after Discovery. And they've also announced they're developing show for Michelle Yeoh, so Empress Giorgio, who is a character on Discovery, will have her own stories. They have hired the guy from Rick and Morty, Mike McMahon, to write an animated show called Lower Decks, which I have seen parts of that are historical. So you have one, two, three, four... They've got a Nickelodeon connection for a little kid's Star Trek, so that's five. So there's a world that's being created by Kurtzman and his team that will hopefully continue for many years and provide entertainment and obviously conversation about Star Trek for decades, unquote. Jonathan talks a lot more about directing on the podcast. We'll have a link to the Writer Experience podcast in our show notes. We also have an update on the DS9 documentary, What We Left Behind. They've been working for months now to put 20 minutes of Deep Space Nine footage into beautiful, crystal clear HD. They released an update on the official website, quote, We're nearly through the heavy research and scanning stage of our remaster, and with just a few hundred more film rolls ahead of us, we're hard at work replacing the 20 plus minutes of new HD sequences spanning all seven seasons of the original run of Deep Space Nine, unquote. And they also posted an update on how close they are to release. Quote, the restoration process alone is a huge undertaking. After all, your support is funding this expensive endeavor. 
It has taken months of work from the CBS digital team to coordinate, research, find, ship, scan, and deliver the original film negatives for us, and more time from our team to clean up, color, and polish the resulting images, and even recreate a handful of effects. While we're still waiting on final elements to arrive and distribution deals to lock firmly into place, we don't want to promise any deadlines we can't meet with the film not yet entirely complete. Unquote. They also teased a big update to come this month, so stay tuned. Set a course for the Gamma Quadrant. Game Samba announced the sequel to Star Trek Alien Domain, Star Trek Alien Domain Incursion. The web browser-based new game, which is now available, pits groups of players against the Dominion in a battle for control of resources. The game is described as a hybrid of a simulation and strategy game. Now you can play this game at, H- at uh, incursion.gamesamba.com. Look for a link in our show notes. Now, let's go off to some Marvel news. We start off Marvel news with Captain Marvel. The movie opened this past weekend grossing $455 million worldwide, $153 million of that from the U.S. alone. This makes it the seventh largest opening for a Marvel movie of all time and puts it 18th on the list of biggest opening weekends of all time, domestically. Marvel movie star Samuel L. Jackson has played both a Jedi and an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he would be more than happy to reprise his Star Wars role of Mace Windu if asked. His Captain Marvel co-star, Brie Larson, confirmed to Entertainment Weekly that Sam even brought his lightsaber to the set of the Marvel movie. Quote, I got to hold his lightsaber. He brought it to me on set on May the 4th, and I cried. It was so cool. I want to be a Jedi. Unquote. Of course, May the 4th is better known as Star Wars Day. Of course... We know that Captain Marvel is set in the 1990s, a time of video stores. Well, an interesting pop-up shop has popped up in Canada, as far as we know. In the mall, a parody of a blockbuster video called Stanley's Video, not an actual video store, but apparently a scavenger hunt that nests a participant a Captain Marvel pin as a prize. Nifty. And congratulations appear to be in order for Captain Marvel co-star Jude Law. According to Closer Closer Weekly, Jude has officially gotten engaged to his girlfriend of four years, business psychologist Philippa Cohen. This will be the second marriage for Mr. Law. The Sun reports that the wedding will take place in May, with Jude's eldest son Rafferty serving as best man. Now, over to the comic book side. Thanos and Infinity Wars artist Mike Dedato Jr. has announced his departure from the House of Ideas. However, he won't be leaving immediately. He'll leave in June. According to Mr. Dedato, on his Facebook page, quote, Like everything in adult life, all decisions we make come with consequences, a price to be paid. In this case, in order to live my adult dream, I have to let my child dream. I have to leave Marvel to leave home. Marvel became a family to me. I grew as an artist and as a person, together with all the good people I have worked there, the best people, always encouraging me, always treating me with respect and care. It is weird that I feel like a teenager leaving home to face the world when I am older than a lot of them, but that is how I feel. 
and I will miss and treasure them." Unquote. He did, however, tease that he has one more project before he leaves. Quote, June 14th will be my last day at Marvel, at, at home, Marvel, but you will keep seeing me for a while after that, because my family would not let me go without a gift, and what they gave me was the most amazing book ever, an opportunity for me to revisit all the characters I care the most in Marvel Universe, the Savage Avengers. I couldn't think of a better farewell gift. We wish Dodato good wishes on his future endeavors. Now, over on the Sony side of the Marvel coin, you know, perhaps I should start calling it a die, as there are so many more sides to a die than a coin. Uh, anyway, Vi Venom 2 is searching for a new director, as Venom director Ruben Fleischer won't be directing the sequel. Discussing film has confirmed that with Sony that he has departed, According to the report, production of the sequel is currently on the schedule for this November in Atlanta. So, any takers? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an Academy Award-winning film. So, how better to capitalize on, on this? Spin-offs! A new report from Discussing Film says that Sony is looking into more spin-offs than just the Spider-Verse sequel and the all-female all spin-off, which would suit Spider-Verse producers Phil Lord and Chris Miller just fine. Lord told ComicBook.com, quote, Look, we wanted to make a movie that felt like it was the tip of the iceberg. You could imagine all these other things. So it's music to our ears that people could imagine a Spider-Noir film and the Spider-Ham insane cartoon. Unquote. Into the Spider-Verse grossed $362.8 million worldwide and had a budget of just $90 million. Now, uh, for some breaking business news that broke just today, uh, Disney has set the closing date for the merger with Fox as 12.02 a.m. Eastern Time on March 20th. That's just a, over a week away. This indicates that the final hurdle from regulars in Mexico has been achieved. Now, this is not all great news, uh, as 4,000 layoffs are expected to occur as the two companies integrate, you know, overlapping positions. But the closing also means that a new corporation is born. Fox Corporation will emerge from the bits and pieces of 21st Century Fox that Disney didn't buy. Now, by the way, just... Be, just you know, be fair and on the record, uh, I do own stock in Disney, so head so you know, thumbs up for me. Anyway, uh, let's take a break and uh, hear from Radio Public. I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of Multiverse Tonight. You know, one way you can support the show is to listen to it through the Radio Public app. Every episode of Multiverse Tonight that is heard through the Radio Public app for iPhone or Android means that you can get this podcast and we get a couple of cents in our can. Find the Radio Public app in Google and iTunes app stores and give it a try today. Now, uh, as you know, I've been playing, that, playing the ad for Radio Public. Uh, I've talked to them. Uh, extensively, and uh, we're trying going to try a new thing from them called Pod Sites. Um, it's a it's a 
basically it's 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 a pod uh, a website for podcasts made exclusively for podcasts and uh, I'll be rolling that out in a week or two so uh, stay tuned anyway let's uh, go on with some DC news and we start the DC Universe news with the end of Arrow Stephen Amell who plays the Green Arrow on the show announced on his Twitter feed quote playing Oliver Queen has been the greatest professional experience of my life but you can't be a vigilante forever Arrow will return for a final run of 10 episodes this fall unquote or uh, excuse me and he continues there's so much to say for now I just want to say thank you unquote the show that launched the Arrowverse of shows shot its first Arrow in October of 2012. Now, uh, I'm assuming that the Batwoman show will be uh, taking its place. Uh, Krypton's second season has wrapped shooting. The Sci-Fi Network show left off on a bit of a cliffhanger. Season 2 will debut sometime later this year. DC's Legends of Tomorrow has a new series regular. Jess McCollin, who plays Time Bureau er director Ava Sharp. She has closed a new deal to return permanently for season 5 of the WB show, according to an exclusive report on Deadline.com. Just joined the series as Ava in season 3. In movie news, Aquaman has passed Guardians of the Galaxy on the all-time domestic box office list. Aquaman has grossed $333.2 million dollars in the United States, passing the first Guardians movie, which grossed $333.17 million. Aquaman is one of the best-performing DCEU movies, and it's already put a sequel and a spin-off based on the trench into production. DC is having a bit of resurgence with the success of Aquaman and the anticipation over Shazam. The standalone movie things seem to be doing well for DC movies. Speaking with the LA Times, Warner Brothers Entertainment CEO Kevin Tashara spoke with, about this new strategy. Quote, The upcoming slate with Shazam, Joker, Wonder Woman 1984, and Birds of Prey feels like we're on the right track, said Shuihara. We have the right people in the right jobs working on it. The universe isn't as connected as we thought it was going to be five years ago. You're seeing much more focus on individual experiences around individual characters. That's not to say we won't at some point come back to that notion of a more connecting universe. But it feels like that's a, the strat right strategy for us right now. Unquote. You know, that sounds a lot more like the Marvel version of universe building. Remember, remember they started small with... You know, Iron Man, then built the Captain America, then built and built and built, and then got to the Avengers. They didn't start with the Avengers and, you know, break it off from there. You know, this might be a good idea. Or is it a little bit late to the, uh, to the plot? Uh, please, you know, let me know on social media. Anyway, the streaming service, DC Universe's, the streaming service, DC Universe, their show Doom Patrol has uh, revealed that Aquaman does exist in their universe after Robot Man referenced the King of the Seas. Robot Man teased Cyborg as Cyborg looked for his keys, saying, quote, I bet Aquaman doesn't lose his keys. Unquote. Of course, Aquaman doesn't lose his keys. 
They're on a little seahorse keychain. Shazam's running time has been revealed. And you'll want to block 2 hours and 12 minutes. That's the That puts its runtime between Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad in length. And a few months longer than Marvel's Captain Marvel. So uh, Swamp Thing is also a thing. And it's currently under production. And director Les Wiseman showed off a video on his Instagram showing off the creepy set. In the video, Len is seen wading in the swamp, feeling around for something in the water. Well, we don't know what he was searching for, but one thing has been found. Adrienne Barbeau, who starred in the Swamp Thing movie way back in 1982, will be in the new series. What role she will play has not been revealed. Now, Geek News. Geek News. We begin Geek News with an old man complaining. Steven Spielberg thinks that movies made for Netflix should be ineligible for the Academy Awards, and is proposing a rule change to accomplish this. All this because Roma, which was produced by Netflix and ran in a theater for a short time in order to be eligible for the Oscars, nearly won Best Picture. It did, however, it didn't win Best Picture, but it did walk away with three of the big awards. Best Director, Best Foreign Language Film, and Best Cinematography. A spokesperson for Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment said, quote, Steven feels strongly about the difference between the streaming and theatrical situation. He'll be happy if the others will join his campaign and when that comes up at the Academy Board of Governors meeting. We will see what happens, unquote. Now, it's not that Steven is alone in this battle. There are other reports that say that some Academy members think Netflix spent too much to market the film to Academy members, and that you should, shouldn't be able to just put a release in a couple of theaters for less than a week to qualify for the awards. If any change is made by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, we'll let you know. Now, speaking of films, we have some possible casting news for the new Ghostbusters movie from Sony. According to Variety, Carrie Coon and Finn Wolfhard are in talks to play a mother and her son. Apparently, these characters will be the center of the plot. Now, not much is known about the film, which is being helmed by Jason Reitman, son of the original Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman, but it should be filmed this summer and released in July of 2020. Now, I know what you're thinking. We don't need another Ghostbusters movie, and you may or may not be right. However, do you think we need a sequel to the Tom Cruise movie of many titles, Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat? Well, get ready for one. Warner Brothers is moving ahead with the movie, with this movie from the invention of lying scribe Matthew Robinson, writing the script. The original, from 2014, based on the Japanese novel All You Need Is Kill, did make $370 plus million worldwide. Tom Cruise, who is 56 years old, by the way, has not signed on for the sequel, but is expected that he will anyway. Now, as you know, I love, love the Orville. It's my favorite series right now. And uh, we got some very good news. There will be an expansion this summer with a new comic book miniseries from Dark Horse Comics. 
The four issue series will be written by the Orville executive producer and writer David A. Goodman, with art by David Cabeza and color from Michael Atea. The end will take place between seasons one and two and will be split into two, two storylines. Story one is called New Beginnings and sees Ed and Gordon on a journey to a fleet conference when they find a stress call from a Union ship that's older than a century. The second storyline follows the Orville as the ship discovers a Union ship headed toward Krill, Krill space, but could it be something more complicated and deadly? The Orville miniseries comes out on July 7th. Seth Rogen is entering the Twilight Zone. Seth will star in an upcoming episode of the classic series revival on CBS All Access. The series, which premieres on April 1st, with new weekly episodes starting on April 11th. No word on what role Seth will be playing or in what episode. He joins other famous names like Greg Kinnear, John Cho, Adam Scott, and Kamel Nanjiani, who will star in upcoming episodes. Now, Tika Watiti has been tapped to co-write and direct the pilot for the Time Bandits Amazon TV series, according to Deadline. The series will adapt the 1981 adventure comedy from Terry Gilliam that saw a group of time-jumping dwarves on the run from God after taking a map to all of the time holes in the universe. Watiti will exact produce alongside Terry Gilliam and Dan Halstead. Now, the world was shocked this past week by the announcement from Jeopardy host Alex Trebek that he has stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Let's uh, look at that right now. I have some news to share with all of you, and it's in keeping with my longtime policy of being open and transparent with our Jeopardy fan base. I also wanted to prevent you from reading or hearing some overblown or inaccurate reports regarding my health. So therefore, I wanted to be the one to pass along this information. Now, just like 50,000 other people in the United States each year, this week I was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Now normally the prognosis for this is not very encouraging, but I'm going to fight this, and I'm going to keep working and with the love and support of my family and friends, and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. Truth told, I have to, because under the terms of my contract, I have to host Jeopardy for three more years. So help me, keep the faith, and we'll win. We'll get it done. Thank you. My heart goes out to him. Uh, we send our best wishes to uh, Mr. Trebek. Yeah, Jeopardy wouldn't be the same without him, so uh, we uh, wish him well. Now, we close tonight with a couple of remembrances. First off, we, we say goodbye to Catherine Hellman. The actress is probably best known for her roles on Who's the Boss and Soap. She died at the age of 89 due to complications from Alzheimer's disease. Her career goes back more than 50 years. Her first television role was on Car 54, Where Are You? in 1962. And her first big TV role was in 1977 
as Catherine Tate on the TV comedy Soap, which won her a Golden Globe in 1980. In 1981, she had a memorable role as Mrs. Ogre in the Terry Gilliam movie Time Bandits. In 1984, she got another big role as Mona Robinson in the Tony Danza vehicle Who's the Boss, for which she won another Golden Globe. She also had a, another, another set of roles in the Cars movie franchise as Lizzie. Catherine Helmond is, is survived by her husband, David Christian. And the saddest news of this past week was the sudden death of actor Luke Perry. Luke Perry was 52 years old. He moved to L.A. after high school to pursue acting. He started in soap operas like Loving and Another World before getting his big break as Dylan McKay in 1990 on Beverly Hills 90210. He's had plenty of geek roles over the years, with roles in the movie ver movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and The Fifth Element. He has also appeared on episodes of The Simpsons, Biker Mice from Mars, Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, The Incredible Hulk, Family Guy, and Community. His last big role was as Archie Andrews' father, Fred, on the CW series Riverdale. His last role will be as Wayne Maunder in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which will be out later this year. Luke Perry passed away from a stroke. He is survived by his two children, Jack and Sophie, and his fiancée, Wendy Bauer. Uh, to the families of, of Catherine and Luke, we send our best. Now, this brings us to the end of another edition. Uh, be sure to check us out on our social media. We're at Twitter, at Multiverse Tom. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, if you'd like to contribute some money, please do so by visiting uh, mtpodcast.com to, to go to our uh, coffee or Patreon as well as be sure to visit multiversetonight.com and check out our affiliate marketplace links, the link to our Tee Public store, show notes, and much, much more. If you're a subscriber, please be sure to share us with your friends. And if you're brand new to the show, uh, please be sure to subscribe and leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. A special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music. Thanks for watching Multiverse tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. Now, please exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half-Big Genre Production. Copyright 2019. All rights.